And they kind of looked at me and they said the answer was, was alcohol. Tom Caulfield, James Whistle. This is the story of The Tempest 2. So ladies and gentlemen, The Tempest 2. Welcome back to the Tempest 2 podcast. Welcome back, everyone. We are back after a week off. James, how was Tenerife? It was... <laughs> I got a lot of grief from it, to be honest. Tenerife. Um, yeah, it was It was amazing, but it was eventful. Right. Had a bug, personally, on day two. Managed to pass it to my 10-month-old baby on den f- day four. Yep. And then eventually to my wife on day six. So it was a, a, a controlled pandemic amongst your family. Totally. Who reacted worse to the bug? Um, Who, hands down, myself. Yes, good stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> I did get it first. Yeah. So I think I uh, took the sting out of its tail. Nice. But it was it was pretty bad. I've not had a, had a bug like that for a long time. And, well, as I said, I didn't take it very well. That's not what you want on holidays, is it? It wiped me out. No. I was torn. I was trying to tell myself that it was a good place to have a bug because you've got nothing to do. It's sunny outside. You can just chill out, not do anything. But at the same time, it's like, oh, I want to go on, <laughs> I want a few beers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not ideal, but still managed to be a nice, good week. And it's just nice, isn't it? We've said this many times, but 24 degrees and sunny all week. It's just good for the soul. Sun is fun. It's good. <laughs> it is. It's just chicken soup for the soul. Yeah. Oh, I like that. How about you? What have you been up to? Yeah, not a lot. Just staring at the sky. It's great. Just <laughs> basically wishing that you got ill. Uh, <laughs> it came true. <laughs> Merry Christmas. But no. Uh, yeah, so we had a week off. I fly to South Africa again on Saturday for a wedding. Mr. Cape Town. Mr. Cape Town. Uh, back in Africa. Looking forward to a week of sun. And then we're a month away from spring now. That's what I keep telling myself. I actually have started smelling it. I think that's spring that I can smell. <laughs> but I've that's noticed a new air it. Freshener. <laughs> I, I, I've definitely noticed it. There's blossom on the trees. Yes, there are some plants that are growing now, which and is that, nice. That all, I think you know, having a bleak winter will change, will change a man's perspective. Mm. And there's a bit of sun yesterday, wasn't there? Yeah, we're back in. We're back in, guys. The UK is coming alive. <laughs> Day's getting a little bit longer. Yeah. This is when the yeah when the UK kind of starts to dust off its <laughs> its clogs, put the coats it's away. When every man in the UK looks in front of the mirror and it's like, oh god, <laughs> oh it's been a big winter. Yeah, I need to start working again. Here yeah. we go. Yeah, uh, the whole country's like that, isn't it? It's like <sighs> no one seems to do a huge amount. No. Between October and February, which is a large portion of the year. So we're optimistic, we're looking ahead, and today's episode is all around a big adventure that we've just watched and witnessed. <laughs> <laughs> that we have not been not on. Not that we've been on. Um, but we've seen it. I'm going I'm to have a quick confession. I've not seen it. Okay. So I'm going to ask some of the questions and, and probe away. Uh, but I've read a few articles on it. I've obviously spoke to you about it. Uh, we're, of course, talking about the new, much-anticipated Alex Honnold documentary, which isn't fair to the other people in the documentary, <laughs> but that's what got it signed off and yeah. got the budget. And it is called? It is called Arctic Ascent. Yes. And I'll give you the, I'll give you the rundown of, of the adventure now. So, essentially, 
a team of climbers, Alex Honold, Hazel Finlay, who we'll come on to later. We've been lucky enough to spend time with both of them and we'll come on to uh, them individually later. A big wall climber called Mikey Schaefer, a US climber, like very, very legit in first ascents. Uh, safety team of Aldo Kane, who we'll speak about as well, who is legit. Uh, and then a couple of scientists that they basically needed to bring along to get the whole thing signed off because <laughs> um, it's all around global warning. Um, so <laughs> essentially, they were they had the goal of climbing a huge unclimbed face, 4,000 foot, which is 1,000 feet bigger than our cap. Which so is a monster. Absolutely insane. It is a monster. And it's called... In McCordalic. Um, I just like to call it Recordalic, like the cider. <laughs> it's the only thing I can remember. So not the catchiest name, but it's basically a huge vertical face in Greenland, uh, fully up into the Arctic. Took weeks to get there. And, you know, it is incredibly impressive. You've got kind of glaciers surrounding it. You've got icebergs literally floating on the base of it. You can only get to it by boat and you have to step off literally onto the rock. So in terms of like a climbing project, it, it, it is actually mental. I was, was going to say, what do they, because that is, for those who've not been to El Cap, or when you look at the photo, everything just looks pretty big. It's four times the height of the Eiffel Tower, this, yeah. this one, which yeah. is insane. But what do they say that the point of the ascent is? Like, what's the scientific reason? Or is it because it's a first ascent that's never been climbed? Yeah, I mean... That's the main reason, You can reason, work right? backwards, can't you? Yeah. The but they they want to climb an yeah. unclimbed rock. Right? Essentially, they do all the science on the way to... Nice. ...the, the climb. So, yeah. you know, they're being, like, dropping probes down into crevasses right. and stuff. Right, okay. Essentially, if you've only got an hour, just watch the last episode. Right, okay. <laughs> the first two of them getting oh, there. Oh, I see, right, okay. The last episode is them climbing it. The world first. Yeah. Big boy shit, right. And, you know, as a review... You know, it's it's a good good documentary. You know, it's good to watch. Uh, it's obviously, I don't think, and we were saying this yesterday, you're never going to beat Free Solo. <laughs> yeah, impossible. Probably one of the greatest sporting documentaries of all time. You're not going to beat the Dornwall similarly, like in this climbing realm, but it was good. Um, but what I thought was the most fascinating thing about the entire film that was really highlighted in that final episode when they started climbing this wall was the team dynamic yep. between the three climbers, Honold, Hazel, and Mikey Schaefer. And what it really actually focused on was the main crux of this climb didn't seem to be the difficulty of the route. They seemed to handle that pretty well. You know, we would never be able to climb it, but as know two three very elite climbers it didn't seem to be that bad but it was the condition of the rock that you know it was very very unstable big chunks of rock falling off so when you're you know for those that don't know when you're lead climbing you've got one guy up ahead uh they are essentially you know finding the route this has never been climbed so they're figuring it out and then you've got people below someone belaying and then jugging up after them and when you're below and you've got loose rock it's you know, incredibly dangerous because yeah. a rock the size of a coffee mug, you know, could easily kill you. Yeah. So this is what they focused on. You know, Honolb was climbing up, leading everything because they'd had a nightmare. They'd lost some of their bags and they got stuck in a storm somewhere. So the other two didn't have their climbing kit. So 
they were having to climb this kind of like piece together with the wrong ropes and the wrong gear and no shoes and shit like that. Um, and what was fascinating was, you know, in free solo, they kind of build up Honold's mindset in a positive way because he's climbing on his own. Yeah. He is at risk. There is no one else at risk. But when you place someone like that in a team environment, there was a huge amount of friction. Yeah. It's it's funny, like, obviously when you watched it and I was asking <coughs> what it was about and they were the things that you flagged first. And I thought, oh, you, you're probably a bit more conscious of that sort of stuff because of the work that we do and what we're interested in. Um, but then I've read like articles and reviews and stuff on multiple websites and they all are saying the same thing. Really? Yeah, none of them are really referencing the, as you said, the, the science work going on or even the climbing and how like epic it is that they've made this first ascent. They are all talking about the crazy dynamic between Hazel and Alex and this Mikey guy and how that like comes about, how they handle it. Uh, so it's quite interesting that that's... Because you can't really plan that stuff, I suppose. But naturally, when you get someone who is, let's face it, wired very differently to most people, um, with other... It's worth saying, the, the other two climbers, Hazel and Mikey, are world-class. Oh, yeah. It, Top it, of their it, field. It's not like they need Honol there to break the ground. You know, they could do it themselves... They could use any climbers, but having this guy there who is just on a different wavelength when it comes to risk and and managing it, it's it's pretty interesting. And what was um, the example you you just spoke about uh, like twenty minutes ago? Mm. What was that about? And Mikey went up to climb so next to him or something. I'll, I'll paint the picture. So essentially, you know, they start this climb, and you can tell immediately, you know, within the first couple of pitches that, you know, rock is falling off and it's a, it's a very eerie place, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere. Even if you broke a leg there, you're going to be in quite a lot of trouble. Yeah. And Honol just, just goes, starts climbing. And the first pitch, so uh, when you're climbing, they're obviously climbing trad, so they're placing their own protection as they climb. Uh, and, you know, uh, even elite climbers will probably place gear every 10, 15 feet. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, why wouldn't you? If you fall, it's going to catch you. And the first clip of this first pitch is Honold's like climbing up, trying to find a route up. And then this Mikey shape, Hazel's like belaying him. And she's like, has he placed any gear yet? Like he's at the end of the rope. He's 100 foot up. And he's like, nah. And they're like, what is he doing? Like, yeah. just place a bit of gear. And she's shouting up to him because he has obviously a dad now. And she's like, you're a dad, like make good decisions. And he's like, thank you. Like <laughs> I'll try. I'll bear that in mind. But it's just like, and it's the first instance of this, you know, his way of thinking and how it does not work in a team. Yeah. I was going to say what that actually does is it's, it's one thing. If he falls off, he'll hurt himself. Yeah. But there's someone on the other end of the yeah. rope who he's putting in danger, whether he thinks that or not. It's like driving a car really fast getting someone in the passenger seat and they're not being a seatbelt. Yeah. It's like, I will also be, you know, a result of whatever happens to you. So just, why would you not yeah. put your seatbelt on? Why would you not just place it? It's not going to slow him down. It's, it's a strange little, I don't know if it's a habit or he needs to do it to feel something. We'll, we'll come on to it. He's, he's on the spectrum, a million percent. Yeah, yeah. Like, there isn't a question about it. So I just don't think it even comes into his logic. Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people place gear 
through fear. Yeah. Which is c- rational, completely rational and reasonable. And he, as you saw, most people would have seen the Free Solar documentary. He doesn't have that part of his brain. It doesn't fire no, when it, it comes to fear. Yeah. It's, it, it's completely, basically redundant. It's, it's basically not there. Might yeah. as well not be yeah. there. Exactly. So that thought doesn't even cross his mind. Yeah. So placing gear is an inconvenience when you're not thinking about fear. It's, it's insane. So they carry so, on. So up. how does he react? Does he then start to go, oh, maybe I will place protection no not really no 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 it's not really um anyway they they get up halfway up and you can see as he's climbing there's rocks falling and you know the people below schaefer hazel aldo you know they're all like oh man this is this sucks Mm. and you know we've both been there when you're in those situations you're like this is really shit like i'd rather be anywhere else but it builds and it builds and his optimism is almost the fuel for their pessimism. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, isn't this awesome? And they're like, are you, are you joking? Yeah. Uh, this, this is miserable. Yep. And it basically, they get halfway up and Honold stops and he sets up an anchor and the other two are following. And as they're following up, this Mikey Schaefer like comes up to his level and he's like, man, like you need to slow down. There's loads of rock falling. You know, we're struggling to catch up. Like we've got the wrong gear. Like this, and he's like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm hating every moment of this. Yeah. And Honold replies. He's like, oh, like, yeah, I can see you're quite grumpy. <laughs> this guy's like, did you just call me grumpy? And he's like, I'm not grumpy. I was like, you, what are you doing? Like, mm. you need to figure out that you're not the only person on this wall. And uh, that turn of events basically leads to there being a meeting. They climb halfway down, then they come down to camp on the first night. Right. And they, they call a meeting, and it's basically... Hazel and Mikey saying to Honold, like, you're you're being a really, really shit leader here. Yeah. Um, and Mikey Schaefer bails off the whole project. He's like, I'm done. Like, risk versus reward. And oh, you're speaking about one of the most established first ascent big all climbers in history. Yeah. And he's like, I am done. <laughs> so then it's like over to Hazel. And it's fascinating, like, how the next, like, scene plays out. It's the, basically this completely open conversation between Honold and Hazel to dictate whether it goes ahead. Right. Yeah, it's uh, that's made me think the... Because we've experienced the almost toxic optimism. Um, good phrase. That is it. Tox- toxic optimism. When, when someone is like it. on a different wavelength to you. And it just made me think of like when we were on the row and we were stuck in a hurricane. It like We were down in the dumps. You know, you're pissed off. But the people giving us the weather forecast... We're super cheery, guys. You're going to be fine, blah, blah, blah. and it ha- kept happening. And by the end of it, it was we would be fucking livid, <laughs> yeah. getting these. And in hindsight, so maybe we didn't need to be like that, but I can I can totally see why that happens. And it's um, it's it just makes me think that it's almost like the same thing that makes him the greatest free soloer. You know, having the, one of the best human achievements of all time in climbing El Cap without ropes is exactly the same thing that makes him a terrible team player yeah. and a terrible leader. Um, and Hazel, as we'll come on to speak about, having worked with her, I would put her at the other side of the spectrum when it comes to assessing risk and managing risk. She's incredibly articulate with like what goes on in your brain and how you deal with that and you know what falling means and how you overcome that sort of thing. Like... That I can't imagine two more different climbers when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah, polar opposites. You know, and Hazel was quite open about the fact that 
she's probably the most relatable elite climber I can think of. Yeah, I would agree. Because even in this, you know, she's when they eventually when we'll carry on like how they summit, but when she's climbing, you know, she's like, Oh my god, this is terrifying. <laughs> Whereas Honold will be like, a big block will fall off ahead of him and be like, How exciting. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> but like even when we climbed with her in Wales, yeah. You know, she was doing a route and you know, it was a hard route, but you could see she was like, Oh, I'm quite nervous. Yeah. Single pitch. Yeah. Wasn't it? yeah. And it's like, wow, she's like, done it before. What a but what a fascinating she makes her living through climbing hard things. Yep. We know better than anyone the anxiety that comes with, you know, being unsure about a climb. And, you know, we were two very novice climbers climbing way above our ability. So felt it more than most. Yeah. I can't imagine doing that for your living if you feel that kind of level of anxiety and mm. fear and, you know, the sickness in your stomach driving towards a uh, like a crag being yeah. like oh man i really don't want to do this yeah i'm the same i think that feeling that she has as you said it's the most normal she's done thousands of routes she's climbed amazing things but it's still when you zoom out it's still very unnatural climbing yeah. a rock falling off placing this bits of protection so you'd think that that the way that she is is probably good for her longevity in the sport and like managing it's the complete opposite of honold who hate to say it you know you could he's not stopping is he? he's not slowing down no it's it could very easily be his demise at some point yeah i mean the the, the odds are probably on that exactly and even things like we've said with climbing that aren't even in his control yeah you know rock falling or his rope shearing whatever it is it's just it's just insane so yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to to watching it but it makes me think about how was he? How was Honold? We've obviously actually been lucky enough to spend quite a bit of time with him, whether it's on the ledge, on the side of El Cap, halfway up the nose, or in the van in the valley. Spent some time chatting to him, and what were your impressions after our like conversations with him? Uh, to be honest, I think I think it's quite clear what he's like. Yeah, he probably. I was going to say, what you see on camera is actually yeah. what you get, isn't it? Because I remember life. when we were talking, and actually, you know, we got the positive from it because we were so nervous before El Cap, and we were like, "Have you got any advice?" And he was like, "You'll be fine." Yeah, and we were like, "Oh, perfect." <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's just the way he is wired. He just doesn't really see it in a normal way, and you know that makes for he is a terrible teammate, and, and this and conversation. So Hazel basically said to him, she was like, listen, I'm, if I bail, this is over. Like, you can't climb this on your own. You need me. I'm your climbing partner. She's like, I want to get to the top, but I will not do it if you're going to carry on climbing like you are. We need to climb as a team. You need to be aware that, you know, there's other people involved in this. There's dangers that maybe you don't see. Yep. And basically just put it all out. And, you know, to be fair, he was like, right, okay, I understand you know, I need to be better at this, better at that. And and then they crack on. So it was a really good example of like a candid upfront conversation. Yeah, with, why you need to have that. With the alpha superstar of the group Yeah, being like, actually, like you are nothing without me being here. So you need to be on my terms. Yeah. Uh, and, and, then, and his listening. Yeah, as well, exactly. Actually, yeah. And then they, they crushed it. And, cool. and you could see him forcing himself <laughs> like as they're climbing, being like, Oh yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, how's 
how's the pace? She's yeah. like, it's all good, Alex. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That's but that's like all it takes yeah. as well, isn't yeah, it, sometimes? Yeah. I was just, just thinking then as we were talking about um, chatting to Alex beforehand, imagine if we had that same conversation with Hazel in the van before climbing El Cap. Great point. She yeah. probably would have questioned why we wanted to do it, yeah. that it was probably stupid, naive, and that we should go and practice some more. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting. <laughs> like the different pro climber that we could have spoken to. So true. He was just like, yeah, he'll be sweet. And yeah. we were like, perfect. Thank you very much. So if he's saying it, and actually in hindsight, it's maybe the worst person <laughs> to get advice from <laughs> yeah. before doing something truly dangerous. But um, so, that, yeah, sorry, I've interrupted again. So then they 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 get to the summit, I'm assuming. Yeah, so they summit it. It's all good. You know, they work as a team. Nice ending to it. Cool. Um, but it's like, it's one of those things when you you look across the small kind of list of top, top 1% performers in whatever discipline. And there's this kind of, you know, you've got the positives of having a mindset like that. You know, it, it drives you. You achieve things that many people would never achieve. So, yeah. you know, you kind of need to be wired that way to be special. Yeah. But, you know, across the board, a lot of them are, are terrible leaders. Yeah. You know, you look at someone like Michael Jordan, for example, you know, that documentary, you know, it highlights that most people thought he was a complete dickhead. Yeah. Because he just had no empathy for someone who wasn't as good as him. Like, yeah. if it wasn't perfect, it's like, why are you even here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, they're pretty good. Yeah. he He's one of the rare cases, isn't he, where leading by example, because he's that good, is enough of a thing to, like, make a difference. But as you said, it's pretty common knowledge that people didn't like mm. being on his team. They liked the winning. They didn't like everything else involved. And he's he's, like, quoted as saying that, in order to be the best, you have to be selfish. You have to not care about other people. Yeah. You know, something has to drive you internally. And um, I'm trying to think of others. Tiger Woods, probably. Golf's a bit of an individual sport yeah, anyway. Yeah, I guess. Uh, like they're all examples, but it's the thing with climbing is it's the risk. Yeah. A and it is actually, no one ever thinks of it this way, but it is a team sport. Yeah. You can't, most people, Honold's free solo is the rare exception. You can't get up a wall without someone else. No. So you have to look after them, be part of the team, work together, regardless of if one person is way better than the other. Yeah, and you have to cross the finish line at the same time. Exactly. So you are literally only as quick or as good as the weakest person. Yep. Um, and so if you have no empathy for that person, it's never going to work. Yeah, exactly. Um, Elon Musk, we were chatting about beforehand, is he is probably the most comparable person in the public eye to Honold in the sense that he's definitely wired differently. Yeah. He's come out as saying he has some kind of autism, pretty yeah. clear. Yeah. He ha has no empathy for anyone who works with him. He's got this huge vision and it's like, if you tell him you can't do it, he'll fire you and figure it out. Yeah. And whilst that is amazing to watch from the sidelines, what he's done and what he's doing, you know, easily probably the top one or two entrepreneurs we'll ever see. Yeah. Steve Jobs, perfect example. Another one, exactly the same. I was just thinking, yeah. yeah. Exactly Some of the most the famous people you can think of are the most selfish. Yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah. He's probably the most selfish bloke in the world. And it's just a lack of awareness or slash Donald Trump care. Care completely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For what anyone else thinks. Yeah. Everything comes after me and my success. Yeah. 
which is the case with, I don't think Honor would call it that way. So no. But his would be his climbing goals, yeah. Yeah, his progress, his whatever. Like, it even seems secondary. This might be very harsh. But to, as you said, Hazel reminding him that he's a dad, mm. it's not crossed his mind, like, before no. <laughs> saying that. Not once. And he's just charging. And, you know, the chances are, as he said to us, him climbing a certain route or a certain grade would be like us climbing the stairs. Mm. But if those stairs are fucking 3,000 feet <laughs> off the floor <laughs> yeah. with no banister, yeah. it's like it's still worth yeah. you know, <laughs> thinking about. Yeah, using your rope. You might as well, you're wearing it. It's, uh, yeah, remarkable. And in um, opposition to that, any good empathetic climbers or leaders that come to mind, and you had a good one um, as we were chatting beforehand, who's in a very similar realm and has also achieved some incredible things which get forget get forgotten um, is Bear Grylls, mm. who has taken his, what was he at the time, the youngest ever uh, person to summit Everest? When he yeah, that, he, he got that record. Paramoted over the, yeah. the top of Everest as well, the youngest. Special, first special forces. Like he's a, a legit, a legit bloke. Yeah, but it's taken that and basically become the ultimate empathetic teammate in not just like the TV program where he literally does just that. He takes Barack Obama and Honold, funnily enough, in one episode, like into different places in the wilderness and teaches them and leads them. But even down to like the, the group TV shows, it's all about being this good leader that like brings people up, brings people to the journey and like pushes them forward. He's actually a really, really good example of an empathetic leader. I yeah, think. Well, he's someone who can balance the leading by example, like you're inspired by their skill and ability. Exactly. But communicates to people in a way that not only makes them feel safe, but allows them to probably push themselves harder than they thought they would without really knowing it. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. All you got to do is like, I'll do it first. It's as simple as this, like put your left hand there and don't think about that, worry about that, and I'll be here to do I've this. Got this. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the polar opposite. Um, but yeah, I mean, to kind of conclude, I think it's the, the thing that I took away from it is, you know, you see it a lot, you see it at work, you know, people, some people are extroverts, some are introverts, some are really, really good at something, some people aren't as good at it. Yep. And I think the, the best people to work with or to be on a team with, whether at work or in sport or whatever, are the people that are excellent, but are also excellent at understanding that not everyone is at their level. Yeah, totally. And not putting that against them and yeah. trying to elevate them rather than just fucking being like, well, if you're not as good as me, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna crack on with that with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's totally true. I think I was just um we are, this is the topic of the Adventure Capital newsletter, which if you don't subscribe is our weekly newsletter that goes out. So if you want to see kind of exactly what we're talking about, if you want a link to the documentary itself and you want to see how insanely massive the wall is and what the climbing team are like and everything we've spoken about, um, sign up to the Adventure Capital newsletter. It basically goes out weekly, what we talk about. Uh, everything from adventures to startups, like the mindset link between the two. And uh, sometimes we might talk about some of the adventures we've been on, uh, but <laughs> rarely, rarely. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully you guys go and 
check that out. Where do where do, can people do that? Sign up for the newsletter on our website uh, or directly on Substack, which is thetempest2.com is the website and substack.com slash thetempest2 is our Substack. Nice. So, yeah, get on there and um, drop us a little follow. You'll get a weekly email. The podcast is back, so we'll be back next week. And um, thanks for listening. Nice. See you next week. Ciao, ciao.